is good all the time. Uh, this week we're on in the book uh, Christian Service, and we're on the chapter called From Common Walks of Life. And it starts out saying the common people, which that's all of us, we're all common people, right? The common people are to take their place as workers, sharing the sorrows of their fellow men as the Savior, share the sorrows of humanity. And then it says they will by faith see him working with them. And I thought that was interesting because you know, when you, you ask your little grandkids or little kids and they say, uh, how do you know God exists because you can't see him when you can't see him? Well, it's the same with us when we're out doing God's work. We have to see that he's with us by faith. So as we're out there speaking words of life to others and sharing our testimonies with other people in the scriptures, we have to know by faith that Christ is right there with, him, with us so that we don't get discouraged so that we don't feel like we're out here all by ourselves and nobody's with us. Even if you're by yourself, it says where two or three are gathered. So as you and Christ and the Holy Spirit, that's enough. Uh, that's all it takes. So as we're out doing God's will, let's always remember that by faith, we know that he is right here with us and he's promised to be with us even to the end. And then uh, the next paragraph down, it says, as we learn to labor effectively, we'll proclaim the truth with power. So many times people think they should just go out there and just all willy-nilly talk to people. But it says we need to learn to labor effectively. If my labor is running people away and causing people not to want to learn more about Christ, that is not being effective. So in order for us to be effective, we have to be able to share Christ to people in a meaningful way that they can understand it, that they can uh, take it to heart, and also that they can realize that God loves them just as he loves us. Are there any ways that we can actually learn to labor more effectively as witnesses for Christ? What can we do to learn to labor more effectively? Any thoughts on that? I think one thing is to do as Jesus did. Uh, and um, he mingled with the people first, and then he taught them. He, he, he mingled with them, he ministered to their needs, and then he said, come and follow me. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's been proven throughout time that that method works. Mingle with people, uh, empathize with their issues, meet their needs, and then bid them to follow Jesus. So that kind of lets, it, one, uh, the, the summarization of that is, become friends with people. So as we become friends with people, then it's a lot easier for us to invite them to church, for us to invite them to study the, uh, the word with us, to invite them to an outing, an outreach outing or whatever. So become friends with people. You know, don't just meet a stranger and then, hey, come to church with me next week. And then they don't want to do it. And then you get mad. That's not effective. So that's one way we can learn to be a, a labor more effectively. Of course, the church off and on gives classes on how to witness to people, classes on discipleship, classes on Bible study, classes on uh, outreach, effective outreach. And there are also books, you know, we can study on how to be an effective laborer for Christ. One of the books that we used was Training Light Bearers. That's been a really good book for training people to share the gospel of Christ 
And that's some ways that we can learn to labor effectively. And as we become more effective, then we have the power that accompanies the truth. And we can do that until the whole earth shall have been warned ending uh, Christ's second coming. Um, paragraph 24.4 says, God can and will use those who have not had a thorough education in the schools of men. What does that mean to you, those who have not had a thorough education in the schools of men? Anyone have an idea what that means? Formal education. Okay. Maybe a person hadn't had a formal education. Yeah. There's plenty of people who, uh, I know my mom, she was only able to go to, to formal education through, I think, sixth grade. That was as far as she could go because she had to help at home, you know, and uh, that was it for her formal education. Of course, back in the day, a lot of African-Americans just didn't have that opportunity for formal education or they had to go work in the fields or whatever. And even now, a lot of kids still don't have opportunity for formal education around the globe, but it's telling us God can and will use those type of people. So just because a person doesn't have a PhD or didn't attend a formal university or, or go to a, a school that turns out pastors and preachers, that doesn't mean God can't use them. And many times people think, first thing they want to ask the, the person speaking to them, oh, what school did you train at? Or did you go to this Bible college? Or did you go to that Bible college? It's not necessary. You know, a person can have a, a degree from the almighty. God can call a person. And just because they didn't go to a university does not mean that God has not called them to do his work. If somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but that was, um, a great example of that was, I think, uh, Pastor E.C.E. E. Cleveland. E.E. E. Cleveland? Okay, e. what about? No, um, uh, I've always heard that um, critics would say, well, he, you know, he has this great following. He, yeah, he's a great speaker. He was a great evangelist. He brought many souls to Christ, but he did not have that. Uh, quote unquote Christian background education. There was no Oakwood. There was no Andrews Seminary School. Yeah, that's what I was always told. Okay, and that's a perfect example of what this uh, paragraph's talking about. You don't have to go to a fancy university for God to call you to do His work. And think about the disciples. What did they do for a living? A lot of them was fishermen. Right. Trained in other things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One was a tax collector. One was a doctor. They did other things, tent making, etc. But they not all of them went to a university. But look what a great impact they had for God. And I'm sure all of us know some people in our own family. They don't have a university degree, but they know the scriptures. Amen. And they can explain it to you. So praise God that He can use anybody. And as as the little phrase says. Um, God doesn't uh, sanctify the God doesn't call the sanctified. He sanctifies the called. So when he calls you to do his will, he gives you the power. He sanctifies you with the power to do it. And then it says, uh, oh, for for less of this. Oh, I'm sorry. It says a doubt of God's power to do this is manifesting unbelief. 
So when you doubt God's power, you are doubt, you are showing unbelief. You know, when you doubt that God can use people who are not educated in formal schools, you're doubting God's power. And it's uh, it leaves many people in the church, use many forces of the church unused. That's talking about doubt. Doubt also closes up the way. Doubt also uh, prevents the Holy Spirit from using people. Doubt also keeps people in idleness who are willing to anxious, anxious to labor in Christ. It keeps them in idleness and doubt also discourages people from entering the work. So we can see that doubt has a terrible impact on the work of God. And there are many in our own churches who when you ask them, hey, would you participate with us in this outreach or would you participate in this department? Would you participate in this program? And they won't do it because they doubt God's power to be a blessing to them. And it's really sad because that cuts back on how many people are actually laboring or working or doing God's will because of doubt. Now, one thing too, I forget which scripture, but it's in Revelation, I think 21, where it says the fearful and unbelieving will be cast into the lake of fire. So those are people who are afraid to follow God, and those are people who don't believe in God's power, going to be cast into the lake of fire. Paragraph 25.1, it says, it is the privilege of every soul to make advancement. Those who are connected with Christ will grow in grace, in the knowledge of the Son of God, to the full stature of men and women. So it's a privilege, it's not a right for us to be connected with Christ. It's not a right for us to grow in grace. It's not a right for us to become full Christians. It's not a right for us to get to heaven, but it's a privilege that God extends to us. And it says, whatever people's occupations, farmer, mechanic, teacher, pastor, if they wholly consecrate themselves to God, they will become efficient workers for the heavenly master. So even now, some of us, we're doing what we can for the work, doing what we can to serve the Lord. But if we wholly consecrate ourselves, be committed, you know, you can do anything with enough commitment, right? If you, if you are choosing to be, a say, an athlete, it's going to take a lot of hard work and dedication to be the best you can be. It's going to take a full commitment to be the best you can be. And I know... Paul is in the um, sales area. Talk about needing commitment. Sales is a tough area for anybody. So if you want to be good at sales, you have to fully commit yourself to being the best you can be and to reach as many people as you possibly can. And it's the same with working for God. We have to have commitment to do all that we can to reach people for God's kingdom says those in church who have sufficient talent, not even an abundance of talent, not even the most talent, just sufficient talent, and God gives all of us talent, says all of us should be prepared to labor for the upbuilding of the church by serving on committees, by serving as teachers in Sabbath school, by engaging in missionary labor, or by filling the different offices connected with the church. Now, let me ask you a personal question. Have you ever been 
in a position to accept an office or being uh, asked to be in an office or to, uh, to uh, participate in an outreach or a program and you just felt like you didn't have talent to do that. Has anybody ever been in that position? Definitely. What, po yeah. what position was it, if you don't mind telling us, that you didn't feel you had talent for? Well, uh, what I think about is when we were presented with this homeless stuff, homeless ministry, and I just didn't know how efficient I would be you know, dealing with the homeless, if I could provide what they needed, if I could do what the Lord needed me to do, I just didn't think I could connect well with them. And what I found out was I learned how to, to find out what they needed. I learned how to listen to other folks. It, it doesn't matter what, or what group of people he wants you to minister to. If you learn to listen, you'll find out what their needs are, and then you'll find out what God already has prepared He's just using you to bring it to them. And mm -hmm. so uh, one of the biggest things was we just simply asked. We think we know what homeless people need or what other people need. And we actually didn't. We thought they needed food and water. And they said, no, we got plenty of that. We need propane. I said, you need propane? And that was furthest from my mind. I said, what, what propane? Yeah, we got to cook. We got to keep warm. There was all kinds of stuff I learned. So, you know, when you say that, Lee, it's really a leading question to uh, lower training you is what's really happening. And obviously, mm -hmm. if you're feeling uncomfortable, then you're not confident in that. Well, God is like, I'm going to take you there and I'm going to train you in that because you don't know. But when I finish with you, you will know. Yeah. See, so you did have sufficient talent to do that. And God blessed you with it. So you don't have to know everything. You just have to have commitment and just be willing to use that talent that God gave you. Paula, you had a comment? Uh, I was just saying anytime, my, my default is no. And so <laughs> when um, I was asked to do certain things, particularly when you, when you uh, are new in church or come back to church, every department, somebody from every department wants you to, you know, be on their ministry. I don't even know what your talents are, but I found that um, certain, I prayed on them and picked the ones that the Lord led me to. It wasn't about me at all. That that's the first thing you learn. And it puts you in, he puts you outside of your comfort zone for a reason. And it's just like Moses, when he said, go get my people, that's huge. And Moses first thing came out of his mouth, well, Lord, I can't, I'm not good at speaking. God do that, mm -hmm. you know, and yet he used Moses to deliver his people. And um, that, that's the first lesson I learned that it's not about me, first of all, and put everything in God's hands. And I'm always, when I do say yes, I'm always blessed more than the people I'm trying mm -hmm. to bless. Amen to that. That's the real truth of it. And think about it. God's asking you to do these things so that you will be blessed, so that we can build up that character that we talked about in Sabbath school this morning. So great examples of feeling like you don't have that talent or whatever, and then God coming through blessing you. Whenever God asks us to do something, he gives us the resources needed. He gives us the ability to do it. All we have to do is be committed. And like Paula said, is 
Think about the other folks. Think about others, how you're helping others, not about yourself, but what can you do to point others to the cross of Christ? Uh, let's go to paragraph 25.3. It points out that Jesus chose humble, unlearned men to proclaim the truths that were to move the world. These men he purposed to train and educate, like Andrew was seeing happen with him. They, in turn, were to educate others and send them out with the gospel message. And we got to remember, it's not by might nor by power, but by God's spirit. That's how things get, happen, get uh, done in this spiritual warfare that we're involved in. So let's not worry about, I can't do it because I can't do it. You can't do it. But through the power of God, we can all do great things for his service. And then this last paragraph, it says, among those to whom the Savior had gave the commission, go ye therefore, were many people from humble walks of life, men and women who had learned to love the Lord and who had determined, again, that commitment, had determined to follow his example of unselfish service. Again, not looking at ourselves, but looking at others. To these lowly ones as well, the disciples who had been with the Savior during his earthly ministry had been given a precious trust. They were to carry to the world the glad tidings of salvation through Christ. That's what God's calling each of us to do. Carry the word, carry to the world the glad tidings of salvation through Christ. He gives us sufficient talent. He blesses that talent. And most above all, he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, was, I like watching boxing. And one of the best boxers ever, Floyd Mayweather Jr. said, they were looking at him. You know, and he's wearing these big diamond rings. And the guy said, man, look at that, uh, Floyd. You got those big diamond rings. And Floyd looked at him. He said, that comes from hard work and dedication. That's how anything good in life comes, hard work and dedication. So it's the same with spreading the gospel message. Through our hard work and dedication to the Lord's work, he blesses our efforts through his power. And we see the results of that effort in souls giving their lives to Christ. And won't it be a blessed time when we get to heaven and the Lord reveals to us these different people who through our efforts were saved in his kingdom. And just think people are gonna come up to you and say, hey, Paula, because of you, I'm here in heaven. Hey, Andre and Karen, because of you guys, look, I made it to heaven. Hey, Lee and Lakita, because of your witness, look, I made it to heaven. And we're gonna be like, really? I don't even remember. <laughs> you know, even meeting you, but we don't have to worry about that because it was the power of the Holy Spirit that drew that person to give their life to Christ. That's going to be what we're really looking forward to. When we see Christ come again, he's got his reward with him, and on those crowns are going to be stars signifying souls saved in the kingdom, and I really want to see that. I want to be there with Christ, and I know each and every one of you does as well. Are there any uh, final thoughts on this chapter about common people being used by the Lord? I just, I just love the fact that Jesus is trying to save everybody and that everybody can't reach everybody. There's some people that can only reach other people, you know, some people and others that can only reach others. And so, and, and the Lord knows that and he knows, you know, who can plant a seed with someone that 
I may not be able. You may you for mm-hmm. instance, you may be able to plant a seed with someone that I may be not able to reach, you know. That's right. The Lord That's knows right. that. And he just asked us to brighten the corner where we live, mm-hmm. so to speak. Praise God. You know, that'd be an ultimate, an impossible task for each of us as individuals to reach the whole world. But like you just said, Karen, he's not asking us to do that. Just reach the people that you are around, reach the people in your neighborhood, at your job, the people in your family. You know, those are people that he's asking us to reach. Um, I know we're going to have prayer for Andre and Karen. Paula, do you have a prayer request you'd like to let us know? Well, just for the um, salvation and protection of my family. Okay. All Um, right. I'll close out with a word. uh, Go ahead. Let me add, uh, our grandson, Corey, has it too. Oh, okay. And uh, my uncle, his name is Alvin Brantley. He has stage four cancer of his throat and nasal passages. So, Mm. Okay, we'll keep uh, mentioning them all in prayer. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this beautiful Sabbath, first of all, where we took time out to praise and worship your name, and we're taking time to acknowledge you as our creator, sovereign, and we ask and pray that you'll help us to always remember that, no matter what comes, that you are the creator, and as you have made us, and we have not made ourselves. We ask and pray, dear Lord, this day for a blessing upon Sister Paula and her family that they each will be saved in your blessed kingdom, and they will also influence many others to be saved and give their lives to Christ. We ask you, Lord, for a blessing upon Karen and Andre and Corey, who's fighting with the COVID. We ask and pray that you'll give them comfort, Lord. Help them to keep their eyes stayed on you and give them a speedy recovery. We thank you that their symptoms are mild and not uh, unto death, as the scripture says. We thank you, dear Lord, for watching over them. We ask and pray also for Brother Alan, Alvin Brown. You know what stage he's in, Lord, with the cancer uh, diagnosis, and we ask you'll touch his body, dear Father. We ask that you'll touch him and heal him either physically or spiritually and mentally according to your will. Lord, we ask and pray that you'll look out above, above all of our family and loved ones, all of our church family as well. Lord, help us all to be saved in your blessed kingdom. Help us all to be lighthouses, Wherever you have placed us, Lord, help us to mention the cross of Christ and help us to mention that you are soon to return. These blessings we ask in your precious name, Jesus. Amen and thank you. All right, we'll cut it short so that you guys can get some rest. Make sure you're not out trying to run around. I know it's kind of funny when Lakita's not feeling good is when she wants to run around the most. (laughs) What's the the, the title next week? Uh, let's see. Next week is going to be. Hold on. Your background is the Oval Office. I just noticed that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm trying to take care of this country best I can. <laughs> hey, we pray for it. Yes, you can. Pray, pray for, <laughs> pray for the, the commander in chief here. Okay, next week is, or not next week, but. Next time we're in this book is going to be the title, The Life That Wins. And uh, the next time we're in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, we're going to do chapters 97 and 98 because they're both just one paragraph. One paragraph? 
They're both just about one paragraph. Man. <laughs> Your sister White cut it short in righteousness that day. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. All right. You, are we still on, Andre? You can nope, take us. Right. 